What's up, buddy? How you been? I've uh, been good, man. Um, it's been um, it's been as you can aware uh, in the barber world with the COVID stuff and everything else. So um, that's in the past three, four weeks, maybe three weeks. We've gotten a lot busy. Barbers have as well. Um, people are getting their shots. Wow, people are going back out in the world. And... So um, I mean, it's hard to tell if we're as busy because we were walking shop for fifty-two years. So um, we right. just started doing appointments uh, when we came back from uh, quarantine. So about a year or so. Yeah. So everybody that is listening, that is going to listen to this episode, um, I reached out to a really good friend of mine that I met, I got to say, probably three years ago, three, four years ago at um, Rob Hammer's um, uh, Barbershops of America release party. And, you know, yeah, I was I've there. been following his Instagram. I was I've been following this gentleman's Instagram, and it turns out that he is, I believe, you mentioned second or third generation barber, and is Joel's barbershop based out of Chicago. So, Joe Junior, if you could introduce yourself and give it a little insight of the barbering industry, how your father, yourself, and how's your shop doing? How you guys started? Yeah. Um... Yeah, like I said, my dad started the shop in uh, 1968. Um, he was 21 years old. Um, prior to that, obviously, my grand actually, and so, so my dad was born in Italy. My grandpa had a shop in Italy. Um, supposedly, it's still running. I haven't really tracked it down yet. But um, so my grandpa had a barber shop there. He actually learned how to cut hair when he was in the war. Uh, the story goes basically, he was a farmer and. Uh, Talking about you know what he's gonna do after the war, he's gonna go to America and raise a family. And the guy's like, "Well, what do you do?" He's like, "I'm a farmer." He's like, well, "You ain't gonna buy farmland in in America for cheap." So he's talking about hair. So that's how my grandpa started barbering. Um, moved the family to America. Five. My dad was nine years old then. Um, my dad had like a super young age just because helping with my grandpa in the shop. Um, Fast forward, my dad graduated high school here in Chicago. Uh, the day my dad graduated barber school was the day he got drafted for Vietnam. So um, that I, um, over uh, that actually kept him here instead of going overseas. So he never served overseas, but he basically was an army barber for three years. So you know, some people say that barbering saved his life because he never had to go overseas to fight. Um, so he did that for three years. Came. Working at a guy's shop named Sam, uh, actually here in Logan Square in Chicago. So my dad was a young barber at 20 years old. Sam was in his I think, 80s at this point. Um, so my dad was like a young new barber. And um, well, about a year later, later, 1960s, came in. The story goes, I wasn't there, obviously. Um, that my dad's uh, Sam said, Hey, Joe, forgive me a dollar. So my dad, you know, was 21 years old. He gives Sam a dollar, says, All right, cool, the shop is yours, and walks away. So well, that's how well, Sam's became Joe's, and that was in 1968. So we still have um, the original sign from Sam's Barbershop. Neon sign. It still works too. And so that 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 really? sign's got to be from the 20s, probably or so. So um, that's how Sam's, Sam's became Joe's. Um, that, that was a block away from our current location here in Logan Square. Uh, was there from 68 to 85, and then. Um, the owner of the building intimate domain the space and turned into a P.O. box for the post office. So well, my dad had to move. Had no choice. 
and this was, you know, 17 years in. And luckily he was able to um, purchase the place that we're at now, which is literally a block away from the old shop. Um, so basically the, the stuff down is, um, it's basically two flat. And then the front lawn was built out and that's where the barbershop originally was. And apartment one, apartment two behind it. Um, oh. So it was that way in 80. So he moved here in 85 um, um, to this spot. Um, fast forward years and years and years. Um, his son, me, um, always fought barbering. I'm never going to be a barber. There's no way I'm going to be a barber. Um, you know, contrary to popular belief, my dad did not get along at all. Um, probably because we're the same person. But um, <laughs> so I moved in upstairs. Yeah. So I moved in upstairs here in 2007. Um, I, I grew up in the Burbs on my O'Hare Airport. You know, all my buddies were. You know, like motorcycle dudes, they all fooled around here. So I just down here. And then, um, you know, I hated my job at the time. I was a marketing guy for a couple different companies. And I've been cutting hair since I was like 15. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe we'll, uh, we'll make it a go. So I went, I went to barber school downtown. I went to a place called Success Barber School, which is now, now called Denmark. I was the first that school. And, um, I started here in 2000. I went to school in 09, I went to, uh, so I, 2010, um, so the shop was still small. It was so, just a three chair, actually a two chair shop. So we had two barber chairs and four waiting chairs. So literally it was like, I think 410 square feet total. And I'm not like a big guy. I'm like only five, two. So I was, I was like kind of small shop and um, right. you know, we, we had, had no business cards. We, we had, had no website. We had nothing. I mean, no Instagram, but that wasn't around. So being a marketing guy, I'm like, all right, well, what do you do? You you brand the you brand the business. So I made a logo, which we still have today. Um, I made a MySpace page, which was still valid back then. <laughs> um, made a website, right? Uh, made, some <laughs> made some stickers, you know, and um, right as I was doing that, that, the neighborhood around us was becoming huge. You know, it was like the cool hip place to be. Lots of cool bars and breweries and distilleries and. You know, so you can go back and look at Logan Square, Square, Chicago. It was always pretty rough. Um, um, you know, when I was little, my dad wouldn't let me come down here. At all. You know, um, but um, so yeah, so doing all the stuff to tip the shop, the by itself. So it kind of just worked like together. So by, I see, I started 2010. By 2013, we had three chairs in the shop. We had probably a two-hour wait every day. Um, three hours. Saturdays. I mean, guys out, guys sitting on the toilet in the bathroom because there was nowhere else to sit. I mean, it was it was insane. I, <laughs> I got seen pictures, pictures of that. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, and I really, remember when I, mean, I started we were, following you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry and, to cut uh, you off. Really, I mean, to be honest right. with you, to be honest with you, we're we're, we're just a regular barbershop. I mean, we're just trying to give out simple traditional haircuts. We don't do lineups. We really don't do quote unquote fades or blowouts or burst fades or. With a regular simple barbershop, um, haircuts, beer trims, that's it. And, um, so yeah, so right about 2013 14, I'm like, something's got to... we were losing more people than we were cutting every day, which is a good problem to have, but eventually that problem is going to go away, so, you know, supply and demand type of thing. So, um, so I talked my dad into it, and basically, what I, I bought, bought the building from him, and I bought the shop from him, um. He still says he owns it, but I own it. Um, and, and then we knocked out the back wall. 
first floor apartment and basically expanded the barbershop. So right now, um, we have seven chairs. We're 1,300 square feet. Um, so it's a bigger, bigger shop in Chicago, for sure. We could have shoehorned, I think, 12 chairs in, but I spaced them up a little farther, so it's a little more... So each barber has more of like their own space. So, but yeah, so it was a big change. And we guys that haven't been to the new shop since we expanded and they have like vertigo when they walk in because they're expecting the shop to be a shoebox, and now it goes all the way back. So, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, right before COVID happened, I'm sure you hear this all the time was we were just rocking and rolling. We were seven shares, six days a week doing about 80. 80 to 90 haircuts a day, every day, cut through a wall appointments. And, um, you know, bills were getting paid, guys were buying houses, guys were buying cars, and then boom, over, you know. And um, I'm sure I'll I, I, tell you about you know, know, how the COVID thing has affected this, this business. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I feel that because we were a busy shop and um, we've been around for 50, this is our 53rd year. And uh, we were able to weather the storm of COVID a lot better than maybe a smaller shop or like a newer shop because we had years and years of clientele and stuff like that. Yeah. And how did, um, during this whole process of COVID, how many uh, of the clients reach out to you guys? Did you guys have any support from the community? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys are like in the middle of a huge community, right? I've seen the photos of yeah, like the shop where it's located. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we definitely... Definitely did very well, um, as well as could be. Um, my, we cut almost everyone's hair in this community, yeah. from aldermen to Logan Square Chamber of Commerce people. So, I mean, we had a lot of support. Um, you know, I borrowed some money from my sister and made some, some supporter t-shirts as we sold online. We sold all those. Um, lots of products. Uh, things we already had. Um, you know, a Shopify site on our website. So it was easy to sell and promote stuff and to sell. Um, I have a small company, company as well that, you know, we can sell, sell that stuff as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we had a GoFundMe account, um, we, and we made some money off that. We, and we took that at the end of, so, I mean, it was almost three months that we were closed to be closed and, um, yeah, it sucked. I mean, I, you know, like I have bills like everybody else, bills like everybody else and, you know, we couldn't apply for cash business. And we don't yeah. do payroll. Um, SBA loans were 15, 16, 25% interest, which I'm not going to do. Um, luckily, you know, car payment, motorcycle payment, payment stuff. I always pay ahead of time. So those were kind of situated for a couple months. But I mean, we had no help. We had no help at all as far as like from the government or financial institutions. We had no unemployment, nothing. So um, luckily, me and my, my barber's barber a little older. older. I'm 41. My youngest barber's. So I have told them over the years that, you know, yes, you're a barber. Yes, you make good money every day. But if you can't work, you break your leg or something happens, you're screwed. you got to have a savings. You have to have a backup. And um, I think this COVID thing taught a lot of barbers that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's I definitely I know a lot of barbers that struggled and, you know, had no savings or anything. You know, because they were like, ah, nah, we'll be fine. Mm, no, you know, now they're like, dude, I'm glad I saved. I'm glad, you know, I'm not spending my money on stupid shit. So I'm able to sustain right. myself. I mean, I mean stupid shit is fine to buy when you have money in the bank. But, uh, absolutely. You know. 
COVID was definitely something that, um, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it sucks. Obviously, I mean, a lot of people obviously lost their lives. A lot of people lost family members. Um, a lot of businesses were closed. A lot of businesses had to, I don't know, you know, kind of start from scratch or retune their thinking. Um, we are, because where we are in the city, um, we're, we're very industry heavy as far as customers go. So, you know, everything from other barbers to brewery, distillery, uh, bar owners, restaurant owners, everything from guys that make bicycles for a living to coat the bicycles to, so we definitely, the people we saw in the past year come were guys like cops, firefighters, guys that were, you know, still working during this. Um, a lot of people we didn't see were the music guys, the lighting guys, the, the production sound guys, because industry was just dead. Um, so now we're starting to see people, you know, people who work at Ridefest, people who work at Lollapalooza. We're starting to work or come back for haircuts because they're going back to work, which is great. Um, and I've always said that barbershops are kind of the barometer of the neighborhood. Um, just because, because, you know, if stuff slows down, down, no one needs a haircut. You know, like the way I tell people, Two weekers that were every two weeks before COVID became like two to three monthers because they didn't need a haircut because they're Zoom meeting and working from home and whatever you want to say. The guys that were three to four monthers, which every barber has, you know, four to five, five, six monthers. I have because their hair is probably past their shoulders, you know, um, but they don't care. So every day we get a couple you know, trolls, I call them, to come out of their woodwork and for need a haircut, you know, so. Yeah, I've seen a few of those. Um, one one of my clients, he came in, and I, I swear, the last time I cut his hair was probably February of last year, and he came in, and his hair was, like, past his shoulders, and then he's like, what's up, man? How you been? And I'm like, do I know you, man? I don't recognize you because you have long hair, and then he showed me a picture, and I was like, oh, shit. He's like, yeah, man. Yeah, like, I, oh, yeah, it's you. I just, you know, I, he let his hair grow, and he gave me a, a a generous donation, man. He's like, this this is for the times that I didn't come. I was like, bro, you didn't have right. to do this. Come on. And he's all like, I. He's like, I've been trying to get a hold of you, but you know, I I can't seem to get your number. And he's like, so I just saved it for the day that I will come in. I was like, dude, thank you. I appreciate you. I'm like. If I see you three weeks, two months, haircuts on me, bro. You know? Yeah. So he was no, really we, cool. we were very lucky. We had a we had a lot of customers that um, I mean the first two, three months after the quarantine. Um, um yeah, we were doing a lot of extra work, long hair and bad haircuts and fixes and stuff, but I mean, guys were giving us eighty, a hundred bucks and saying just keep it. Um, which is great. I mean, I worked eighteen days in a row straight. Um off no days off 12 hour days for 18 days in a row straight just to try to make up that money back as fast as i could that i lost and um, um i mean i was literally sleeping in my clothes literally it's like i'm like what's the point in changing i'm just gonna go back because you know i live upstairs barbershop um so i literally have a 10 stair commute to work so um i'm always in this building of some aspect which is good, good and bad. bad but um, on days like that you can work late you can work early because i have no commute i'm here but um, it was crazy, man. I mean, it was right. very, it was very cool to see the community come out to uh, you know help out barbers, if you will, quote unquote. Because um, 
everyone, everyone listening to this, listen to this knows that some people respect barbers. Some people think that we're just a barber, you know, and, um, yeah. First shop that we have here, we don't play those games. Um, the shop's been around for too long. We have, you know, more employment. We're booked out almost a week in advance now, um, which is great. That's all more than the walking thing. So, um, if someone said act the fool, they can they can go find a shop. I don't care. Right. So, was it a little bit more difficult going from a walking shop to uh, an appointment shop, even though with all this craziness, did you ever think your shop was ever going to go to appointments? No, no, there's no way. I mean, anyone who knows me or follows me online or whatever has always, you know, a um, I come across as an asshole, which is fine. Um, I just don't. If you if you if you ask me an opinion, I tell you you don't like it. I'm sorry, sorry it's just how I am. But um, right, yeah, man. To me, up into COVID, literally, if you were a bar, a licensed barber, and you had a barber shop, that shop should be a walk-in shop. To me, up until this point, um, appointments and reservations were always a salon thing. My ex-wife's a hairdresser; she did the whole salon thing, so. I don't forward or what but um you know hey guys oh you know, i had eight appointments i had six off no shows and i would you know hashtag walk-ins for life you know like i was very this is the way it is this is the way it was doing it and people well, that, i mean on a thursday night you know pre-covid we'd have seven barbers cutting hair and seven o'clock we'd have 35 guys waiting and i'm like well if you guys want to wait we'll get to you when we get to you you know um, so um, the Chicago department sent us a, a, uh, sent all barbers a letter prior to reopening after the quarantine saying, if basically you, you have to do appointments, appointment. we don't want people congregating in the barbershop. And if you don't do this period, so it wasn't a choice on my end. It wasn't anything. We had no choice. So position wasn't horrible. I knew it was kind of coming. Um, I know a couple guys who work at Reserva Corporate. Um, so I talked to them. Going, I have a web guy that does our website, so we got to so we got to integrate it. So we were ready to roll before we reopened by about two weeks or so. Um, the person who has the most problem with it is my father. Um, he's been doing appointments or walk-ins his entire life. He'll be seventy-five in November of this year, so you know, sixty years of barbering, so to speak. Um, you know, I have a smartphone. He doesn't go online. He's never sent an email. His customers are his age and older. So we have guys that are in their nineties that come in the barbershop. So that position has been so senior. Um, all of us, we all have smartphones. We all have this, we all have that. We do reservations for restaurants. And so it's not a huge, um, but he's been better. So, you know, like we got him a cell phone. We never had one. Um, I made a business charge with his number on them. So he hands us out to his guy and he does it that way. And he is booked online as well. I'm a server. We give him a couple slots a day, but, um, you know, this, this is the best you know, place to say this probably publicly is, but we're staying appointments going forward. We're, we're not going back. We've been doing it for a year. Barbers are used to it. Our customers are used to it. I think the world has changed in the past year to make it more, you know, I think most barbershops should or probably will go up when it forward and our customers are 33 to 63 
doing very well for themselves, have a dog, you know, have a baby, have a wife, uh, drive a Tesla and work from home. And they don't have three hours anymore to sit and drink beer and wait for their haircut where now they'll pay more money to basically have a slot coming here to get home. And, you know, I've always said that we're a neighborhood barbershop and the neighborhood has changed. The world has changed. And, um, you know, for us to be competitive and relevant and all that other shit, we have to follow what the neighborhood wants. And the neighborhood wants appointments. So that's my state on that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know a lot of uh, a few walk-in shops that it was kind of difficult for them to go from walk-in to appointment. But now they're kind of getting like, all right, we just got to go with the flow. And, right. you know, what's very surprising is that um, what you mentioned that the city and the health department gave you guys an option. That's I have never heard that before. So that's actually interesting to me. And it's really cool that they well, were the able to give you like, hey. Yeah, well, their I mean, their option was basically, basically either do this or don't open. So there really wasn't an option. Right. It was basically this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, we will close you down, you know, because they're. There was a zero tolerance policy in, in Chicago as far as like haircuts um, um, being open, even though I got a haircut during the closure, but that's typical Chicago. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was either do this or nothing. And um, you know, I just wanted to get back to work like anybody else did. I just wanted to get back to normal, whatever that is. Um, you know, no, but like I said, now it's been a year, almost a year exactly. Today, ninth um, of June, I think we opened up the third of June last year. Year. And, um, you know, I mean, Reserva is great. You know, shout out to those guys. They're, they're awesome. Um, you have any, any type of customer service issues or whatever. They have a live talk. They call you back within five minutes. Um, great guys to work with. Um, you know, there's other ones that were, you know, oh, it's not a flat fee per month. It's 10% of this price per booking and stuff. I'm like, that's going to be a couple hundred bucks a month. I think Reserva is so it's like, you know, I mean, whatever it is. So. We, we raised our price five bucks um, when we came back from quarantine, you know, PPE and all that, that stuff. And um, I'm glad we did because we're doing less haircuts now because we're doing appointments. Um, but that extra five bucks definitely made a huge difference for sure. Okay. How long are your appointments? Uh, so we are doing 45 minute appointments. Um, I personally, um, um, I've been down there for a while. Well, I mean, I, I can do, do, I would say in the do two haircuts an hour, give or take, you know, depending on if he wants a lineup or wants a beard trim or whatever. Right. Um, a lot, couple of my barbers are a little slower. So we kind of agreed on 45 as a, as a staple. Um, so what's nice about that, that is that, that, you know, if you're running to, to say five or 10 minutes late, late, not a huge deal to cut their hair. Um, if the guy comes in early and I'm sitting there, I can get him in and out. Now I have more time to whatever, go grab a cup of coffee or make a phone call or whatever. So it's not like I'm bam, 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 you know, backed up every day type of thing. Um, you right. know, like I could book myself out of lunch. So you know, every day at one or one o'clock, I have a lunch. So I can sit there 45 minutes and make a phone call or eat my sandwich or whatever. Um, back when it was a, um, a walk-in shop, yeah. it was chaos. It was literally, really, if you worked nine to six in my shop, you were there eight thirty two every day. And 
you were lucky to get a lunch. You were lucky to go to the bathroom because you had, we have, I think we have 17 waiting chairs and those chairs were, so if you're like, hey, I'm going to eat a sandwich, four customers would get up and leave because they'd already been sitting there for an hour, you know? So it was very, on the barber side, it was very stressful to be cutting your customer's hair, trying to give that customer the time and a good haircut and folks on him when you had staring at you because they, I've been here an hour. I've been here two hours. It's like, well, you came in, you had 15 guys ahead of you, you know, whatever. I mean, every barber's had that feeling before. Um, oh, yeah, you know, so the appointment definitely squashed that, which is nice. So now it's more, I wouldn't say it's, it's more tiki, but you know, if I were to go downstairs right now, there's four guys working today. There's, there's and maybe one guy sitting there waiting, having a beer, hanging out. So it's a much more, quiet simple environment and before it's kind of i never wanted the barbershop to turn into a chop shop i never wanted the barbershop to turn into a uh, shop whatever you want to call it you know quick haircut bad haircut off you go quick haircut expensive haircut off you go like i never wanted it and i've had barbers that have worked for me before that hopefully are listening to this um who who they are who um they would skimp on services to get the next guy in their chair and that's, um, um, I was never a big fan of that. So like, you know, if I was cutting your hair and I, I wanted to get the next guy in my chair before the barber next to me, I would skip your neck shave or I would give you, you know, a busted ass taper across the back just to get you out so I could get the, the next guy in. in. And, and um, I've seen it happen before. I've fired barbers over it before. There's um, a very decent, but kind of a higher price. That customer has to get the whole service, no matter what the hell's going on. You got to take a shit. shit. You got to make a phone call to your baby mama. I don't care. You got to, you got to, you got to give that customer what he's, what, what he's paying for. Thing that has helped that happen a lot. So I think our, I think our overall quality, quality of haircut has gone up with appointments. Just because the barber itself is not rushed, so to speak. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. I remember, um, I think it was right before COVID when uh, you you posted the video of Wall. They shot a video at Wall, right, in your shop. Mm-hmm. I think it was during COVID. Did they reach out to you guys, or how how did that happen? How did that come about? Yeah, um, Wall is uh, uh, here in, in Illinois. Illinois. They're um, right. They're down south. So they're about an hour-ish away from us. And, um, yeah, I mean, I am an Andis guy. I, I like Andis Clippers. I've always had um, walls feel weird to me. They, whatever. Um, so, yeah, they reached out and said that they, they wanted to film, film um, a little commercial with two of our barbers. The, the, both of us don't work for me anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they came in. And, um, yeah, it was for the uh, cordless uh, uh, senior, I think it was. was uh, so that was a big deal then. And, um yeah they came in awesome guys it was a one-day shoot um you know they made if you watch the video they... jackets they're wearing say joe's but they're not, not ours they made them which is kind of whatever but um, um it turned out great they basically picked the two guys that were in there because they had the most tattoos on their arms um and uh yeah all over worldwide and um, um you know, i got people well, email me pictures from europe and you know japan and so it was a worldwide commercial um, but yeah, they reached out to me. me. Um, we've done 
we've done Chicago PD um, um, on TV show. I've we've seen done that on the, on the Empire. Yeah, um, we've done a the barbershop a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, various this and that, and um, you know, I mean, everyone thinks that I solicit these people for this, but it's not like they just come to us, which is great. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, the bar, I mean, I have a lot of customers that are in the film industry, in the movie industry, commercial industry. So when we shop and made it bigger i literally brought those guys in to ask them questions like how should i do the lighting for you guys how would you want me to have the stuff on the for you guys so basically i I built it like a movie set but i definitely got their input um because i mean empire tv show they closed us down for two days um and i mean we we pocketed almost 20 grand off those two days you know, because, I mean, they just have huge budgets. They just, whatever you want, here's a check, you, you know, you're, and you're done. So, I mean, people think that we've sold out because we do commercial and stuff like that. But for the money, you know, if you're doing $40 haircuts and you can make one day for doing nothing, who wouldn't do that? Plus, it also is good press for the shop. Anyway, because, because the more we do, the yeah. more people call, you know, um, we had a we had a bunch of stuff lined up in 2020 um, um, and then and the whole code so um hopefully some of that stuff will this year or next year um but we have some pretty epic things that i still can't talk about legally, legally um, um that uh hopefully will uh come back to tradition you know well i really hope you guys uh get all those projects rolling and it'll be good for you and sense. yeah Appreciate dude it. uh i know another barbershop out here in California called Monrovia Barbershop. And that shop, the owner's name is Gabriel. Shout out to Gabriel. And um, he, his shop has been in numerous old school films. And his shop is the same like yours. It, it was built like in the 1960s, 50s. It's a really cool shop. And um, I came across him through the movie uh, Black Sheep with uh, was a comedian old school movie and i was like oh shit i recognize that that front door and sure enough um I've, i started looking into the you know the imbd movies and his shop popped up and i reached out to him i went out there to monrovia it's probably like two and a half hour drive where i live and sat mm-hmm. down with him and he's like oh yeah man he's like dude i have numerous people from hollywood and reach out and he showed me a bunch of pictures and videos, and I'm like, that's pretty cool, dude. I'm like, it's, it's awesome, you know? And and when I saw um, just recently that uh, Chicago PD, because that's one of my favorite shows, I saw mm-hmm. the scene where they're, like, running, passing through your shop, and I was like, oh, shit, that's Joe's Barbershop. Yeah. And, you know, I completely forgot it. I was going to send you a message and let you know that, you know, and then I remember that you posted a story when it snowed a few months ago. I think it was during December or mm-hmm. January. It was snowing, and you posted a video of like all the studio trucks in front of the shop, and yeah. I could see the logo of Chicago PD, and that's how I remember all that episode. And um, but yeah, the wall—that's pretty awesome. That you guys got uh, reached out by Wall, and you know all these companies reaching out to you. Take it, you know. Yeah, it's uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take it all day, and you know. Same- you know, like you mentioned, Rob Hammer. So shout out to my homeboy, Rob. Rob. Um, 
He'll be uh, next he, in my episode. Yeah, well, uh, he's a good guy, he, and he's an interesting guy for yep. sure. And uh, he literally hit me up out of the blue um, before the first book was done, obviously, because he wanted to include our shop in his book. And, and um, came out of Chicago. Chicago. We hung out for a while. We, he, I went and got him some food here in the city, and had his dog there, and we just we just struck a chord. So we've we talk uh, once every week or two or three, and. Um, like I said, I went down to the, uh, the, the uh, book, you know, lunch party with you down in Costa Mesa, which was rad. I needed a vacation anyway. And then, um, you know, he made me cry when, uh, he released the second book and my shops on the cover. And, um, I, you know, cause you know, the first one syndicate and I kind of gave Tim some shit for that. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I've never met Tim in my life and, uh, you know, I'd never met you guys until that book thing, which is the best thing we ever did. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I actually didn't know who I am. And I went and took Joe's Barbershop sticker and put it on his shirt and kind of smeared it on me. So that's, that's how I met Tim. I kind of, I kind of tagged him, you know. <laughs> yeah, so us being on the cover of that book is rad. Copies that we sold on our store um, to help um, rob out. And um, it's funny, uh, Robin never ate Jardinera before which is a very Chicago thing. Uh, Jardinera is something you put on like right. pizza, get chopped up peppers and stuff. So I got him hooked on that shit. So now he actually like grows it. Awesome makes himself. Which is pretty funny. So, <laughs> I got I to gotta talk to him about that. Great dude. Yeah. Jardinera, he loves it. Loves it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I met Rob um, through Brandon Campbell. Shout out to B-Cam. And uh, Brandon posted uh, yeah. his first book, Barbershops of America years ago so i hit up brandon i'm like hey dude where can i buy this book and he tells me oh buy it on this website and it was rob's uh, website so mm -hmm. i bought it and i started going through the pages and i'm like holy shit this is this is fucking awesome this dude just roam around the across the country visiting barbershops and taking some incredible amazing photos and I reached out to Rob and I told him, like, dude, you're fucking awesome, dude. I would love to meet you one day and hang out, this, this, and that. So we kind of linked up from there. And then um, fast forward the following year, I was doing at the hair show with Andes. And they used one of his photos. Andes used it. And it was uh, that photo of um, Capital Barbershop down in San Diego. Shout out to those guys. Yeah. And they used mm -hmm. that photo. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I reached out to the people in Andes. I'm like, you guys know who took that photo? And they're like, oh, this photographer. And I'm like, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> so I, I sent him a, a video, uh, a, a photo of the stage with the, his photo on the background using it as a backdrop. And he's like, dude, that is awesome. And so, you know, the story just went on from there. And he mentioned to me about the second book when he was going to launch it. And I was like, dude, I'm excited. And that's when he told me, yeah, dude, I got some barbershops and barbers from the East Coast coming out here. And, you know, he he didn't tell me who until I got there. And that's when I met you. I met uh, uh, Pugsley Barbershop mm -hmm. down in uh, King, Kingston, New York. Yep. You know, and I was like, dude, you guys are fucking awesome. Hell yeah. And I met some other incredible bar barbers from Texas, all over the place, man. You know, I, I believe there was a few barbers from the... Um, from uh europe that were here for that weekend that was fucking yeah crazy it was, and incredible it was super cool and, uh, i was actually talking to rob again about 
Um, you know, because that was that was what three years ago now, twenty eighteen maybe wow. I think it was. Um, yeah. So I was talking to Rob again. I'm like, you definitely do that again. Or... A couple of years or something, whether it be everyone well, goes to a different state. Like you know, I can host it next time. You guys all come to Chicago, um, or, or something. Or we go back to California. That'd be rad. Yes, or something. Um, because you know, I don't want to go originally because I forgot who it was. Someone called me because I didn't know what was going on. I knew that the book was coming out, and but I think it was maybe uh, the dude from Eagle and Pig forever shop that hosted. I think um, yep. Out to me and said like, "Hey, we're doing this thing, thing and we're kind of inviting everyone." And Rob, Rob doesn't know that we're all coming out because Rob had no. You know, all these barbers were coming out for the party. So then I'm like, well, I could use a vacation, and I, I love LA and I love Pendleton's. Shot the Green Spans, my favorite store in the world. Um, I actually bought so many oh, Pendleton's. Yeah. I, I bought so many Pendleton's, I had to have them sh- <laughs> uh, FedEx shipped back home because they wouldn't fit in my luggage. So. Oh yeah, um, and you don't want to mess them up either. So. No, no, of course not. Of course not. So, um, actually, my barbershop sticker is still in Pendleton right now, or uh, in uh, from Greenspan store. I sticker the hell out of that place. So. But, nice. Hell yeah. Be a cool thing to keep, you know, to keep the, you know, I mean, as you, you know, I'm here in Cali, stuff, I'm in Chicago, and um, barber culture is one thing. There's different cultures within barbering, whether you're talking more of like an urban shop or more of a traditional shop or whatever. And um, um, the one thing I thought was super cool when I was out there and meeting you guys uh, is that everyone seemed to get along. Um, you know, like barbershops from LA got along with barbershops and you know, whatever, Torrance or Costa Mesa or whatever. whatever. Um, everyone was cool. Everyone was nice. You know, unfortunately, here in Chicago, it's not that way. Whether it's really? just a Midwest thing. Yeah, this is a whole other topic of conversation if you want me to keep going. But, um, Go for it's, it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird, man. I mean, I was a business guy before. I wasn't a barber since I was born, like no one is. I was born in the business, you know, my grandpa, my dad, me. And then I have two uncles as well that were barbers. So if someone's, you know, kind of born into it, it's me for sure. And um, years old, you know, I've been cutting hair or whatever. I went to barber school. I was 30. Um, you know, I was very, when I first started, I was, I would, I would go around to other barber shops, you know, other shops, which I'll, which will remain silent here. And when I came in, you know, I'm, dad's got Joe's and, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, be friends with you and we'll do collaborations together and stuff. And these guys, you know, like I was stupid. Like they're like, well, you know, if you're working over here at that shop, you're the enemy. I'm like, well, no, because no, it should it should be us. You know, no, and, I, and it's like, you know, like, like it should be real barbershops, barber which I consider real, real, you know, licensed barbers, you know, traditional barbershops versus sports clips versus Floyd's versus high-end sales barbers like we should stand up for our business you know and um like i've always said still like you know if you know if you had if you had a shop in chicago and i'm busy and you're busy we should be going out having fixed you know and talk you know we shouldn't be fighting against each other because if i'm busy you're busy then cool you know but there's something there's something in the midwest chicago i don't know what it is that um you know, I've had barbers literally leave here who worked for me at one point. Own shop, which is great. I promote it. I'd help them. Awesome. Everyone needs to own their own thing. And then the minute they open their own shop, they 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 start shit talking me. 
fuck Joe's, fuck his dad, fuck this, fuck that. It's like, well, you didn't mind when you were working for me making the money to open the shop. But now you're a quote unquote owner. Now you're. Now you got the neck tattoo. Now you got the Harley, which I taught you how to ride. Now I, you know, all this bullshit, you know. Right. It's weird, man. It's really weird. And I'm saying, I'm 41 years old now. I'm getting old. Um, you know, the barbershop is cool. That's about the projects cooking and stuff. And I would wish that the camaraderie I saw in Cali was like that here. You know, I mean, me and this guy, um, Kirk, Kirk Merchant, shout to him. I actually went to barber school with him. He's got a couple shops here in Chicago. Me and him started up this thing called the Chicago Barber Association, CBA. And um, this was back in, I don't know, 2013. So we were out of school. We were fresh school. We were excited. So we're like, hey, we're going to do this thing. So we got non for profit status. We had a website. We had a forum. We had an Instagram page. And to help licensed barbers either find a shop or have a shop find licensed barbers that work for him. Like, you know, if someone's got a barber chair, keep it within the barber community, you know, um, or Facebook, fuck, Craigslist, all that shit. <clears throat> and we did um, at a bar. Um, we did monthly trainings, so we would have, you know, there's a barber named Slim, a.k.a. Kevin, Slim's Barbershop here in Crystal Lake. Shout out to him. Um, he's known for his flat tops. He does amazing flat tops. I mean, military, Dolph Lundgren, Rocky, eat, eat your dinner off that shit, you know. So we got him to come to the city, which he hates the city. And um, we hosted it here at my shop, and we had it was open to licensed barbers only. So oh, we had barbers from 30, 60 miles away come to watch Slim put out a class on flat tops. I had beer, I had pizza, whatever. Well, well long story short, it because attitudes got in the way. Well, I'm not going to go to this meeting because my old boss is there, or I'm not going to go to the meeting because it's held at Joe's barbershop next to work for him. We're all grown men and women involved in this, whatever. It's just like, exactly, I'm watching you shake your head. Like, how petty How petty can you be? We're offering free education, which, you know, a lot of people, you know, the money for this stuff, especially in the barber world. You know, free education oh, yeah. from a barber to barbers in a cool environment, you know, and it just fell apart. And, um, you know, no, I think it's still going. Um, I don't have time to deal with stuff, you know. I'm all about helping somebody if they if if they appreciate it. I'm not going to help somebody if it's if they're taking stuff to do. I'm sure so do you, and so does everybody else. So, but um, it was weird, man. It was a great idea. Yeah. It was it was produced very well. I don't know if maybe you know back up in ten more years when we're all older and maybe everyone's a little more calmed down. Because I mean, but I mean, it, it. I mean, I got pictures online still. It's just like we had. I think 75, 80 barbers in my shop at once drinking beer, having a good time. And then this guy got drunk. This guy's going to fight this, this guy. guy. It, it, it turned into a fucking shit show. And um, I'm all about chaos. I'm all about, you know, stirring the pot. But every shop was there at the time. You know, some shops aren't, aren't around anymore. But, you know, everyone invited there was, you know, kind of, kind of doing their thing. You know, no one was really suffering, and for it to be that petty, petty. Shit. I mean, you know, so, I mean, we have, you know, as far as Joe's go, I can speak for my shop. I mean, we definitely, definitely have some shops in Chicago. 
we were friends with that we called our sister shops or whatever like hey if we're busy go over there or go that dude over there or whatever which is cool like we're like our sister shop is fernwood so fernwood is an amazing barber shop um all my patrick and his brother so shop those dudes they're over here not too far from our shop you know a bunch of filipino dudes just rocking it killing it you know they got deals with nike they got deals with clothing companies um but they're just a solid solid shop we're busy i'm not gonna fight with them about customers because they have theirs and we have ours and if one of my customers and, and, and keeps going there. Cool. Because I know he's getting service and, he, you know, and, and he's getting a good haircut. There's there's no anger towards other shops that I mean, have problems with. It's more of a personal level with the owners of them because they treated me like shit back in the day when I started. And I, I'm Italian and Irish and I kind of hold grudges. This is what I do. So, um, you know, I'll be cool with you. Sweet. You got a problem? But, you know, don't. Don't talk shit about my business. And, you know, but like I said, I mean, it, in a nutshell, the, this rant I'm doing, um, when I went out to Costa Mesa to meet you, and Robin stuff, the, I told my barber, this is different. There's a different vibe. There's a different aura in the barber world in California. And I'm sure it's like that in other places too, but everyone was cool. Guys were each other. Guys knew each other. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go work today over here and we're going to go bowling. With that guy over there, and, you know, the guys at Golden Crown, awesome dudes. You know, shout out to those dudes. Um, they basically took us out, you know, for the night with the Jumbo's Clown Room, which was amazing. Um, you know, I could live in that place. So uh, um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was cool to see that kind of in the barber community where everyone went out, everyone with the same, everyone was wearing black shirts and had tattoos, um, including myself. And then that Tuesday, everyone went back to work. You know, there was no shit talking. There was no, I'm better, better than you. My fade's better than you. It was super cool. And uh, that doesn't happen in Chicago. And anyone who's... So, um, and you can put that in quotes. So. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Because, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I've, I visit barbershops often, and sometimes I'll walk in and just pretend I'm a client. And for some reason, it comes to be like, oh, shit, I follow you on Instagram. I'm like, damn it. I don't want, I just treat me like a customer, bro. Like, you know, don't right. treat me and like, like I'm some high, high horse or whatever. So, yeah, that's, that's crazy. It blows my mind to hear that, that barbershops and barbers are not like that out there. And, you know, Yeah, it's just, yeah. I wish I wish it was different. You know, I definitely I definitely came back from that trip with it was kind of but, you know, I, I, and you know, I love California culture, obviously Pendleton's and all that stuff, and so it's definitely cool to get out there and see you know hot rides up and down the street, and riders you know going down the four or five and all that stuff, and it was red. But you know, the one thing I was kind of saddened by was just like. I would love to have that kind of camaraderie here and there's no way to make it. You can't force it. It just kind of happens as you know. So, um, I've tried, I think, I think I definitely calmed down a bit after that trip. I think I am more willing shops if they want to come to me for help, whether it be, you know, you know, Hey, Joe, you're a marketing guy. I need help with the logo. Okay. I got a guy here. Talk to him or I need stickers. Okay. Talk to my sticker guy. Whatever. Um, 
you know, because I've been doing it. I mean, I've been a licensed barber for 11 years now. I've been a marketing guy since I was out of high school. So, so you know, I know kind of how to build a company and build a brand and stuff like that. that was cool. And I try to help other barbers because, you know, a lot of these barbers coming out of barber school, they don't understand that if you open up your own shop, you're, you're not just cutting hair. I mean, I mean you're, you're a marketing guy. You're a custodian. You're, you know, a barber. You're cleaning windows. You're fixing clippers. You're... There's a lot going into just that little shop than just cutting hair. And some, some barbers are, I think, cut out to be owners. And I think some are cut out to be. And I've said that before, and people get mad at me about that. It's just like, I don't think everyone needs to own their own shop. Especially in Chicago, barbershops. There's three on my block alone um, here in the city. I mean, you know, if the, if the barbershop is solid and it's established, work there. Plant yourself there. Don't don't jump from shop to shop. And the longer you're there, the busier and you're gonna get. My busiest been in the shop for maybe five six years now. And you know a lot of my guys that will wait for me to get their haircut by me. If I'm not there, they go to him automatically. They they know them. They've shot shit. They've had beers with them. You know if you work at a barbershop, if you work at six different barbershops in six different years, you're not gonna have a clientele at all because I mean you might have. You, but you know, and I've always I've said this before: customers go to the shop because it fits their location. They can park; it's close to their house. It works for them. They find a guy in that shop to cut their hair. Which they like. They'll stay with that guy. guy. If that, most people will just find another guy in that shop. They're not going to follow that part. So I mean, yep. that's just how I feel about it, and I've seen that happen too. You know, barber six days a week. Great dude, I still talk to him now. When he left, he he was taking the shop with him, and I think it took three guys, just because, because you know the shop location. We have free parking outside in the city, which is rare. Um, um, it's by the, it's by this, it's by that. It just works well as a location, and we also give up you know good solid. No one's gonna go from our shop in Logan Square here to downtown Chicago. You can't park. You can't. This there's no this. Guys are guys are simple dudes. I mean, you know. So, if that's any any advice for anybody who might be listening to this, is find a shop that fits you, find a shop that you fit in, and stick it. You'll be you'll be much better down the road than you are jumping around everywhere. Yeah, that's that's a great advice. You know, um, so now we're already what fourteen months into the COVID shit. How's how's the city turning out? Is everything going back to normal? Businesses are opening up. How are the mandates? Are they loosening um, up? So, uh, what was it? So we're in now as week two. So, okay. um, which is glorious. Um, so, the, and the CDC said their thing. Uh, Illinois and both Illinois and Chicago both agreed. Saying that if you're vaccinated, you do not have to mandatory wear a mask anymore. Two weeks ago, we said in the barbershop, we're going to follow that. And it's been glorious. Um, there's no other web say for it. It's just amazing. Um, not having to wear a mask in the shop, not having to wear a mask while you compare the camaraderie, everything is better. Um, it's a better atmosphere. It's not so tense. Uh, we do have customers that have been coming in. Who, who want to wear theirs while they're getting a haircut, which is fine. Um, um, I have one barber who still wears one because his wife 
type one diabetic, which is fine. But um, you know, from my father who's seventy five, we're all, all vaccinated. Back. We've been um so, well, actually, actually, uh, so today is the ninth of June. So June eleventh we're going to in Chicago in Illinois and Chicago, we're going to what they call phase five, which is zero restrictions COVID related. So everything is really quote unquote back to normal of this week. So um, that doesn't really affect us because we're kind of doing that going forward. But you know, restaurants can be at 100% capacity. Movie theaters can be at 100% capacity. Um, you know, Red walks are opening up and everything else like that. People are going back to work. So, um, you know, no, it's almost like June 11th. It's going to be like a holiday going forward of when the city opened back up. Um, it's been, yeah, you know, like you said, like 14 months, give or take. Since, since this has happened, you know, our customers especially are very, very happy to kind of put this whole thing behind us as everyone else is in the world. Um, you know, I remember when this whole thing kind of you started hearing about coronavirus. Okay. And, you know, it's in China or Japan or wherever the hell it was. And this and that. And um, then also you started hearing about it more. And then I remember really I was cutting hair Thursday or Tuesday. My dad always has the news on at four o'clock. Watches the, the the local news, and it was our uh, um, our governor Pritzker, basically talking about how going forward, you're, you're essential, and you can go online to find out if you are or if you're not. So I literally stopped cutting that guy's hair, went on my phone and looked, and we were not essential. So I found out that we were going to close that day online. And I had to go tell my 74-year-old father, hey, man, you can't come to work tomorrow because we're closed. And the look, look on his face, man, was priceless. And then he went into this really, rant he about, I, but I fought in the war for this country. I, you know, this, I pay taxes, you know, and now I can't come to my own work. And it, it was crazy just to see, you know, that older of a man, you know, forget that information. So... We do. We do. We do. We closed down and right. We weren't doing, you know, haircuts on the side. We weren't doing any of that shit, which I know a lot of shops were, and um, which is fine. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I I get it, but and, and anyone could have easier than me. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, I could open up my back door and off we go. And we tried to do what we could, and uh, you know, well, a year and a half later, you were taking. I think. Definitely on the upswing. You can definitely see people are in better moods. People are getting haircuts. People are having weddings again. Guys are going on dates. Guys are changing jobs. jobs. Guys, guys are going on vacations. Buying cars, buying motorcycles. This is, it definitely seems like, uh, you know, things are on the on an uptick, hopefully, if that's a word. Um, I'm just, I'm just really afraid, personally. You know, we got shut down so easily that I think it showed yep. certain people that they could shut us down that easy again. And that's kind of my, not to be, you know, like Debbie but owner, I had to try to think of the worst. And then you're, if it does happen, you're protected by it. Cause you already thought about, you know, if this happens, what am I supposed to do? Um, so, you know, and my dad's the same way, you know, my dad's just a very pessimistic person. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, hopefully nothing happens like this again in our lifetime. Um, but uh, I definitely feel that, you know, um, the service industry, which I consider barbers being a part of, 
was basically we're back up with the coals with this thing on every level and, and i kind of feel that if they did it to us once it'll happen again hopefully i'm wrong so <coughs> yeah i'm a huge believer in that myself i feel that you know if they did this to us once they could do it again <clears throat> you know um but i try not to think too much of that <clears throat> aspect and just kind of be like oh all right let's i mean crossing fingers <laughs> See right. what happens. But, oh, yeah. um, you know, like I was saying, you know, yeah, you know, you know, <clears throat> hair grows. So, you know, um, you know, barbering is barbering is the oldest profession in the world, minus prostitution, which everyone who goes to barber school knows that. And um, hair grows, and you know whether, whether your customer gets a haircut from you, the guy listening to here, or to me, he still has to get a haircut, and he has to get a haircut again. You know, so. Barbershops fighting over customers, I think, is hilarious. Barbershops, you know, pulling pulling tricks and scams and stuff on people is, you know, I think it's kind of petty. Um, you know, I mean, like, my, go back and, like, look at what my dad did. I mean, literally, my dad's a barber because his dad's a barber. My grandpa was a barber because he was taught in war in probably, a, you know, a, a mound of dirt somewhere with a pair of shears to, you know, put money on his family's table and stuff, so... We're talking super simple, bare bones, why this whole trade started. You know, I'm a barber because my dad's a barber and my two uncles are barbers. And to do it, quote unquote, I still knew how to do it and how to run a shop and how to run a business. But, you know, we didn't have a, we didn't, we didn't have a business card in my dad's shop or my shop, whatever, until 2010. My dad opened the shop in 68. No logo, no business card, nothing. Just no marketing, word of mouth. no promotion. Just word of mouth. I, as my dad says, I am Joe the barber. People, People know that I'm here. Well, my he's dead. Calm down, you know. Um, but it's true. <laughs> you know, he was Joe. Or he was still as he's you know, over there on Florida Avenue. You know, if you want a haircut, well, Joe's is over there. You know, and, and while I did I, the way I told even Rob Hammer when I was talking to him is that, that I didn't reinvent the. What my dad had built, you know, and you can't buy history, which is a huge thing. You know, my dad had built the shop for 30 years, years and I was involved for 40 years. And so, like, it's like taking, like, a good piece of steak, making, like, a really good side for it. Like, you didn't make the steak, but the side complements the steak. So all I did was take, take what my dad had built, built put out there in the world, which, world, which he has no clue of. You know, like, I made a MySpace page, which people made fun of me for. Oh, a barbershop has a website? Well, yeah, we needed a website, and I made one. You know, no, I mean, I feel I before everybody else did, just because that's what I had done in the marketing world of my last job. You know, so um, I made a website, I made a Facebook page, um, or a Facebook and a my Instagram wasn't around then. Um, I made a Twitter. Uh, we've had a we've had a uh, a Vine page when Vine was around. Uh, we have a TikTok page now, which I don't know what the fuck it is, but. My phone and you should put let your there and whatever. You should let your dad do the TikTok. I love it when you give access to your pop's Instagram. Yeah, it's coming again soon. Like, so Joe Senior's gonna yeah. take over. Joe Senior take over. People yeah. love that shit. Oh, I love that but shit. But yeah, man. So that's 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 all I did. Literally was just take what, what we were doing, doing and try to make more people aware of it. It worked. It worked like a. 
I mean, we had guys coming in from, you know, two hours away. Oh, I, mean, I saw you online. I saw you guys do beards. No, those beards in my town. So I figured I'd come here and have a professional do it. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, this is what we do. And if you want to do it, cool. I talk ourselves up and, you know, well, I mean, we are definitely one of the oldest shops still running, running, as far as I know. Um, I'm sure there's other ones for sure, but I mean, I've been bought and sold and bought and sold, but my dad literally is downstairs right now cutting hair in the same shop he's been cutting hair since he was 21. He's 75 or 74, you know, so, you know, be humble and just kind of do your thing and yep. it'll work, you know, but internet has changed everything. Um, you know, everyone is now a marketer, uh, you know, these barber battles that are going and you know barbers wearing gold clippers on their neck i think it's kind of you know you're shaking your head and i'm i'm smiling it's just, it's the same it's just like i'm just not that yeah. guy i mean literally i was taught how to cut hair on an, 76 which is a lot um yep. a master and a grenade outliner and literally a flat top comb and that's it like my dad literally he's, like these are the and a pair of shears and a pair of shears actually he's like these are you need to cut hair, no matter if it's white cell or round cell, flat cell, white man, black man, Mexican dude, flat top, long hair, mullet, whatever. If you're a barber, you don't need anything more than this. And I have the smallest group of tools in the barbershop out of all my barbers. My barbers have gold plated water bottles, they got clips, cordless <laughs> shit this, and hey, as long as the end product is cool, I'm fine with that. But you don't need, you know, like I laugh all the time when some guys like check out my clippers. He's got like 19 clippers. Need all yeah. those. Why do you need all those for? You know, same as a <laughs> same as the guy who has some shitbox car and he's got a snap-on toolbox with a hundred thousand dollars worth of tools. It's just like you don't, don't need the wrench from fucking Herbert. Is just as good as a snap-on is. <laughs> now, if you do it for a living, okay, cool. You know. But that's a whole pet peeve of mine, too. It's just like, you know, you don't need it. You don't need that stuff to cut hair. You know, I cut your, your hair, hair. You give me money. We have completed that transition back to me for another haircut. I've done my job as a barber. That's it. You know? I mean, all the other stuff is crazy. You know, I mean, look at our website. I mean, our website is super simple. You know, everything you need. You don't have to scroll. You don't have to do anything. It's right there. There's no videos of me dancing around with fucking clippers. There's no bullshit like that. I mean, it's, a, it's just super simple. And that's how I want the shop to be. That's how I want our customers to be. And if you want all that, just, just go somewhere else. You know? I mean, there's there's shops in Chicago that have just, like, these stupid fucking names. It's like, you know, you know I'll make, a, you know, whiskey and... Whiskey and denim barbershop. Or handlebar mustache. <laughs> You know, I'm it's the same stuff everywhere, but like, what's the longevity of that? It's like, you know, the way I say it is like, you know, Simpsons, like, you know, I always say cowabunga, right? Well, that word is, is what, 30 years old now, 25 years old, you know, cowabunga. Oh, okay, the Simpsons, whatever. You call it your barbershop, cowabunga barbershop. It's, 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 it's dated. It's already old. It's, it's, it's a buzzword, you know? So, I mean, yep. In the barbershop be called the owner's name, name is the street it's on so oh. people come in the barbershop are like oh i like the retro vibe you 
we're not pulling it. We're TGI Fridays. This is just. And then they're like, oh, well, how's it called Joe's? I'm like, well, the owner's name is Joe. And like, he's over there. I'm like, oh. I'm like, Joe. I'm like, oh. I'm like, uh huh. That's, that's, a, that's what the plan is. is what it is. You know? Yeah. And um, I think people can look through the BS and, you know, same as like Andis. I'll speak for yeah. Andis. They make clippers. I, their logo is the same. I think, you know, I broke clipper, they fix it. It, it's it, I don't need all this new BS gold battery powered crap. I just need to cut hair and go about my so Yep, one hundred percent man. Yeah. So you you like Andis and this is your clipper masters? Yeah, so it and really the reason why is just I was just taught on those. I like the way they feel. You know, uh, the whole, you, you know, know, the flavor on the side thing works well. I'm a master guy for sure. Um, I actually, um, now this is going to get funny, but I feel you know, the whole like custom and this game, the customers, I feel, and quote me if I'm wrong, I started that. So in barber okay. school, 2009, I was bored, bored and I actually went. Atlanta Barber and Beauty Supply. So shout out to those dudes because they're awesome. I'm like, hey man, what's your master cost? And he's like, uh, it's whatever, a hundred bucks. I'm like, what if Five I buy bucks. ten of them? And he's, he's like, like um, uh, eighty What if I buy twenty of them at, at once? He's like, sixty bucks a piece. I'm like, okay, cool. So I bought them in bulk. I had a, at the time, time I had a buddy because of the car hot rod thing who powder coats. He powder coats motorcycle frames, car stuff, whatever. I'm like, hey man, can you powder coat this? And I get a clipper. Yeah, it's just a it's just a metal shell. So we started powder, powder coating masters in different colors, hot rod colors, sky blue, tangerine green, bright orange, and shit. And then I basically put them back together and sold them. And that's how I made money while I was in barber school. So it was Joe's barber shop custom, custom clippers. clippers. You go online and Google it. There's still pictures out there. So this is in 2019. Really, I was doing this. I pretty much got through barber school because I was basically selling clippers to my instructors for like perm marks and haircut marks and stuff. So that's kind of how I got through school. Um, but you know, it got old and whatever else. I'm not in that scene, whatever. And then um, um, a couple other guys started doing them after me, and they were in certain, you know, you know, this guy's more of a uh, fake shop, it's more of more a line of shop, shop, whatever. So those got really huge, and I kind of backed out because I didn't need it. Because I was working at the shop and stuff, but and it started doing, you know, like their anniversary clipper was powder coated red. Tell me where you got that idea from. When an Andis would ever contact me, I tried to get Andis approval and kind of work with them, but they never, they never got back to me. But I mean, you no. know, I, I really feel, you know, I even forgot I didn't do it, but I have a couple random ones here and there around the house. But you know, if you look, you know, I was the first one to customize a clipper to that point. And I got to say, like I said, um, I just, you know. yeah, I got to say you, you are right because I don't know, Max Esposito, shout out to Max. I believe he bought a masters from you years ago. Yeah, he did. And yeah, that was yeah, like 2020. And I yeah. And I remember him, 
uh, sending me a picture of the clipper and I was like, oh shit, what'd you get this? And he's like, oh, I got it from, you know, Joe's barbershop. And now that you're mentioning all that is just coming back to me. I'm like, oh shit, I do remember seeing him talking about your, you know, your shop and you guys, you doing um, the custom clippers. So yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. And, and I said, it was fun, you know, I mean, my, my buddy did, I had a setup in my backyard, backyard and like, little, like toaster ovens, I had gas on the space that you basically cook and all the gas comes out and, um, I remember smashing up light bulbs to get the glitter effect in there, you know, like a low rider, I had some pinstripes, um, I had one wrapped in, you know, like wood grain, I mean, I, I was all about it, but the money, the money, right. the effort. You know, it was too much effort. You know, guys were, oh, I can get it cheaper here. I can get it cheaper there. You know, now everyone does it. I might resurrect it. I was actually thinking about that. Um, um, so shout out to Andis guys, if you want to. Um, you no, know, it's all, you know, as, as far as making money goes, it's all about. Buy it cheap enough, do your work, and make a profit on it. You no. know, so. The only thing, if you're not making a profit, there's no point. I have other stuff to do, you know, stuff like that, but. Um, now that I'm in a better, you know, it's been 11 years now since I started it. Um, the shop's got a little more press. We got a nice online store. Maybe I'll throw a couple up there and see what happens. Um, I could always use a hobby, you know, once the cars and bikes go away for the winter, you guys don't have winters out there. So, you know, you guys are lucky. So (laughs) our winter is like, um, you wake up, it rains in the morning and then it gets sunny, you know, uh, we have yeah, we actually, weather, uh, we actually, to be honest. Yeah, we had to close uh, for two days with the last snowstorm we had here. So the plow trucks go up and down Florida. Have me outside here. And then just throw the snow. There was so much snow. I had like seven feet of snow in front of my door. And I'm like, well, I guess we're closing. So. <laughs> well, Joe, um, it was great talking to you, my man. Thank you so much for jumping on this episode um any last words you want to tell to the listeners no man um, like i said i appreciate and um you know hopefully like, i definitely come across as you know whatever and i rant a lot but i have a lot to say because i've had a lot of shit you know in my days and um, um hopefully a younger barber hears all this stuff and kind of gets them on the right path you know uh i feel that barbering is in a weird transition right now as far as you know, guys are going into the rock star side of it, the real side of it. And, you know, that I think they're kind of giving barbering a bad name sometimes because they're, you know, acting a bunch of fools online and stuff. And, you know, guy walks into a barber shop and the barber's on his, on his phone, making a phone call while he's cutting someone's hair and stuff is, it's just kind of bogus to me. So, so hopefully someone hears this and, you know, wants to get into the church. You know, make something of themselves and actually, you know, do it the right way. But um, you know, in the you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, I appreciate it, and um, you know, hopefully, I can come back and talk again. Yeah, definitely, we'll do uh, episode two, you know, and later on, and um, say hello to your pops for me, and hopefully, we'll see your pops take over Instagram, you know, soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be so much fun it's coming soon i would love to see that all right
Thanks, man. Talk to you.